Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I am Jim Galani along with Chris Bucanani. Mr. Chris, how you doing, my friend? Hey, oh, Jim, I'm doing great. It was not that long ago that it was the beginning of January, right? And we were saying the kickoff was so, so far away. We got plenty of time. Man, it is almost March. It just flies by. College football season going to be here before you know it. I know. And, and I know you're like me. I consume this. When they start telling us who the uh, workout guy of the day was, I actually worry about that stuff and follow it. Uh, when they put out the new weights, I worry about that. Uh, position changes, you know. Sure, sure. Uh, Everybody uh, is, is losing their mind, right? Because they listed Abdul Carter as a defensive end, which is an interesting development. I, I did notice with Abdul, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I know that's been a topic of conversation. I did notice at points last season, I thought he looked like he had maybe lost just a half step from where he was as a freshman and he'd clearly like added bulk right and he may just have one of those frames that is going to continue to fill out and will allow him to have a little bit more of that positional versatility I also saw some speculation that you know kind of like uh, once you get to the pro level the difference between class being classified as a wide receiver versus a tight end even if that distinction doesn't really fit your game, could mean millions of dollars. Well, the distinction between a linebacker and an edge rusher definitely means millions of dollars. So this may be a financial component to all of this as well. Well, a couple things. And for those who haven't listened to our uh, show with Landon, we're going to get into it a little bit more with Landon. But just a couple thoughts on it here too is I think you have to look at this as you had a Deesa Isaac and Chop Robinson at defensive end. You had two NFL players already there, okay? And, you know, making the comparison to Chop Robinson, who is someone that Landon knew uh, from Mar- from his Maryland days sure. for years prior to getting he talked about how Maryland used him at linebacker as opposed to defensive end, and he came into Penn State where Penn State – I don't think anyone would argue that that was a good position change. You get Chop Robinson doing what he does best, go after the quarterback. And if you feel that same way about um, Abdul Carter, and of course the comparison to Micah Parsons and how he's used in the NFL. Yeah. Plus I had, you know, I've had this conversation with multiple of our listeners. How come they don't just put him at defensive end? By the way, one of the folks I had this discussion with, and this is me tying it all together here, Chris, you were at our event Monday night. You know, we had the Pulp Daddy beer, which by the way, I saw you having one. Did I tell you that was not the best beer going? Yeah, delicious. Very, very good. Big ups to the folks at Greater Good Brewing Company. Well, Paul, who's a Penn Stater, who's the founder of the beer, he just literally, maybe a month ago, he and I have had this text conversation. Jim, why don't they just put him at defensive end and let him go after the quarterback? Yeah. Well, Paul, yeah. well and I think the Michael Parsons comparison is right. 
it's it, it's what Dallas started doing with him this season, which is that he didn't play either one of those roles exclusively. They moved him around, and basically his position title should be game breaker. And <laughs> yes. so I'm I'm hoping that Abdul can play a similar role for Penn State this season. I agree, and that is such a critical part of the game. If you can get to the quarterback, not first of all, can you rush him? I mean, hurry him up can force him into mistakes but man if you get to him that is a game breaker a game changer and if abdul carter gives you that best chance to do it and from defensive end that's the move to make i don't think i I, i'm i'm a huge fan of this move chris anyway that's not what we were scheduled to talk about but that's okay i i always like to get your take on things um, I sent you the other day, and this is the topic I did want to talk to you about, Brett McMurphy, who I think is a pretty good college football writer, and he put out his projection for next year's college football playoff. Those of you who are accessing the podcast, I, I have the his chart and his results um, on the post, so you you can see it. But just real quick, what he put out there, and I'll rattle them off the seeds. Uh, Number one seed, Georgia. Number two, Ohio State. Three was Florida State. Four, Utah. Five is Texas. Then Oregon, uh, Notre Dame, Missouri, Penn State ninth, Alabama 10th, Michigan 11th, Boise State 12th. Before we get into how they seeded them, Chris, how do you, just take a look at those 12 names. Fairly good prediction? Yeah, it looks pretty solid to me. This is maybe not going to thrill the audience, and, and this is not official. One of the great luxuries I enjoy <laughs> is that I don't have to make an official official prediction until we record the uh, preseason preview for obligatory in August. So I, I spent a lot of time agonizing over my season record prediction, but right now I got Penn State at three losses, which has us outside looking in, I think, of the playoff bracket. But I appreciate Brett having more <laughs> faith in my own team than I do. Okay, not to get off tangent here, but what three games did you have them losing? Well, I think they'll lose to Ohio State, like as is tradition. I, Penn State has never won at USC – and I think that road trip is going to be tough. And then I think there's just a grab bag, grab bag loss in there. Could be the opener against West Virginia. I always – the road game at Wisconsin scares me a little bit. Sure. Um, yeah, it's, and, we'll, we'll get into when we're talking yeah. schedule strength later. We can talk about that a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I don't want to get too sidetracked. <laughs> so the other two things – I'll give you three other observations that jump out at me here as I'm looking at Brett's projected 12-team playoff. He still has Michigan in there, despite the coaching change and everything that they have lost. And that goes back to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. The Big Ten and the Big 12, or excuse me, SEC, stand to have the majority of the lower-seeded playoff teams. I also seems to think that Notre Dame is not only going to make the field, but make it as a seven seed, which when you consider conference champs take the top four, he thinks very highly of the Fighting Irish going into next season. And again and I know you want to talk about this, the the four highest-seeded conference champs are going to take those top four seeds. 
So he is projecting Georgia and Texas to be in the SEC title game and uh, Ohio State and Oregon for the Big Ten. And that is an important element to this. So if anyone in listening to me rattle off the seedings and saying, hey, Utah at number four and Florida State at number three, they were not necessarily the third or fourth best teams in his projections. They were the winners of the ACC and the Big 12. That's what he's projecting. And when this was set up, with the there was the five and five where they would have the, or what was it, six conference winners or they would have the winners of all the conferences. At the time, the Pac-12 still existed. And you didn't have Oregon and Washington and USC in the Big Ten. And I'm not sure if Oklahoma, Texas had made the shift to the Southeast Conference or not. So you expected from the Pac-12, from the Big 12, very representative teams, whoever would win those conferences like this past year, you know, you had Washington, an undefeated Washington as one of the top teams in the country. Going forward, you were essentially going to have the ACC and the Big 12 champion probably set, settle into that number three and four seed, even if they're ranked 12th and 13th in the country, Chris. Right, right. My big prediction is how controversial that's going to be. I don't think the public is really aware of what this means. And the first time you have, say, as you pointed out, it was going to be, uh, who did he have? Georgia and Texas in the Southeast Conference Championship game. Those teams might be ranked one and two going into the conference championship game. And the loser's going to drop down to number five. And meanwhile, Utah and Florida State or whoever the winner of those two conferences is, they're going to get a higher seed. How much pissing and moaning are we going to hear after that, Chris? Oh, it will be instantaneous. It's going to happen next season, and I think it's only going to take one or two instances of it for them to start tinkering with the playoff formula to make the seedings match the national rankings. Uh, and that'll be another way to push the other two conferences further to the periphery. But you talk about how is the playoff going to cheapen or enhance the regular season is one of the big concerns with the expanded playoff format. L listen, time will tell uh, how all of this is going to shake out. But as college football is turning into the NFL anyway, we can look at the NFL model and how important buys are in the postseason to getting to the Super Bowl. Like the last several years, securing a buy in the NFL has been so important towards advancing deep into the postseason. So when we're looking at the two power conferences, Jim, having, you know, one of those crucial four buys and really only two buys, right? There's only two, but there's one for each conference on the line. Getting yourself in a position to play in the conference championship game and then having to win it, that could make a tremendous difference between advancing to the national title game or not. So even though in some ways, certainly this is going to take away intrigue from the regular season, the importance of midseason games towards positioning your team to be one of the two highest ranked in the Big Ten or the SEC, I think is going to keep the regular season spicy and interesting even still, just because I'm assuming 
we can project the same kind of uh, importance of a buy that we see in the NFL to the college football playoffs. Like the difference between having to play that extra game, especially as we've discussed, Jim, with the, the, the intrigue of adding home playoff games, just like getting out of that mix entirely, resting up and getting ready for your next opponent that you play at a neutral site in a bowl game, that could make a big, big deal. So that that is one way that I think we can look ahead and say that's going to be very, very interesting wrinkle added to college football this season. You bring up a real good point. And when we come back, Chris, I want to talk a little bit more about the regular season and the value of it. I think the intrigue besides at the top for the buy, we're going to talk about how many teams make it in from the big 10 and the Southeast conference and how I think that's going to add intrigue to a lot of regular season games. Stay tuned for that. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Chris Bucanani. I am Jim Galanti. This is quarter number two of our show. And uh, Chris, when we finished up quarter number one, we've been talking about this Brett McMurphy projection of the college football playoffs for next year you made some great points i just want to add on you were talking about the the meaning of the regular season and one of the takes everybody who's against the 12 team playoffs say it will cheapen the regular season michigan plays ohio state last game of the season both undefeated you know is it a case where the winner's going to go to the playoffs and the loser is not game can't get any bigger but in as you pointed out in the scenario with the 12 team playoff you've got to be the undefeated you've got to be the winner of your conference to get the top seed or one of those four top seeds and get a bye and we've learned from the NFL just how important that bye is that is true that is the case but the value of the regular season and I'm looking at this projection There are four teams from the Southeast Conference, four from the Big Ten, which I think is pretty much what you were projecting a year or a week ago when we were talking about this. All of a sudden, it's not just if Michigan and Ohio State are at the very top of the conference, but there's that third and fourth entry into the playoffs. If you're in the Big Ten, that means Penn State, and Washington, and Michigan, and USC, all of their games down the stretch. The difference between the the team that loses two games and the team that loses three games is making it to the playoffs or not, Chris. And I think part of the fun of college football when your team is competing in the top 10 is scoreboard watching. You get sucked into other games and following other teams 
it's going to be interesting to see how does the committee ranking committee start stacking up like let's say like a two 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 loss teams or even two three loss teams how does two losses in the Big Ten stack up against two losses in the SEC so you're not just going to be following you know your your team and teams that are ranked in the general vicinity of your team you're also going to be watching the opponents of teams in the opposite of the power two conference from you and saying, okay, how does the two team, how are the two teams LSU lost to performing down the stretch? Because we want those to look like worse and worse losses. <laughs> yes. If we're a two loss team that's jockeying for position with, let's just say LSU, right? Well, and if we're looking at the Southeast conference, we're looking at the teams he has making it Georgia, Texas, Alabama, and Missouri. Now, I think a lot of people would have Ole Miss in there instead of Missouri. Or how about LSU? You know those teams will be competitive for that spot. But if you go a step further, like you just did, there's only one team from the ACC. You and I have had this conversation. Who are the two teams within the ACC that we think could win it Florida State and Clemson, and Clemson's not in there. But what would it take for Clemson to make this? It would be interesting. Chris, you and I were talking before we got on the air. You brought up Clemson's schedule. Why don't you share that with the listeners and how interesting that gets for an ACC team? It really, it leads, it lends itself to multiple questions. Clemson, Florida State play during the regular season but they could also play in the conference championship game. And what if they split? A lot going on there, Chris. Right. There's a lot of pressure on Dabo to have what would be considered a bounce back season at Clemson this year. And the good news for him, I don't know if it's good news, but you always want an opportunity, a puncher's chance, right? So they're going to open the season next year with a neutral site game against Georgia at the Atlanta Falcons Stadium. So you win that game and you immediately vault yourself into the playoff conversation for sure. But if you don't, then you're looking at a schedule that doesn't offer them a whole lot of opportunities to prove themselves. They've got uh, the always dangerous home game against App State the following week. (laughs) And then here's what they got left on the schedule. They have two more home games, NC State and Stanford. Then they go to Florida State October 5th. Then they travel to the Wake Forest. They're home against Virginia and Louisville. They're on the road versus Virginia Tech and Pitt. And then they close out at home versus the Citadel and South Carolina. Very possible if you drop that Georgia game, the only ranked opponent left on your schedule for the rest of the year will be the Seminoles. So you would have to win that game. And again, you could assume that if you win the rest, probably that's setting up a rematch in the ACC title game. To your point, Jim, about how difficult it will be for a second Big 12 or ACC team, especially with Notre Dame floating out there as kind of a free agent. it's, It's tough, right? In that scenario, it's tough to project two ACC teams getting in. Like the conference championship game for that conference is a play-in for their lone playoff spot, I would think. Now, if they defeat Georgia, then it's a totally different ball game, and then you start looking at Florida State's schedule. And the only difference for Florida State versus Clemson 
is that they still have some other games where they could stake their claim to playoff position because they do have to play Miami, North Carolina, and Notre Dame in consecutive weeks. So we don't know how good Miami is going to be. We can always assume they might be a little bit better than they were the previous year, but that's been a dangerous assumption for that program for almost two decades now. Uh, Same thing with North Carolina. But, you know, Brett has Notre Dame in his playoff field. So if you're Florida State and you're staring down the barrel of a situation where Clemson has upset Georgia and put them in the driver's seat to claim that one playoff spot from the ACC, you're looking at it and saying, okay, we've got to win at least one of the two games against the Tigers. If we can't beat them in our building, we got to get them in the ACC title game, and then we can secure that spot. And if you're looking at a one-loss Clemson that has defeated Georgia, that might be the ACC's only chance for getting a second team into the playoff field next year. That's interesting. And the problem with doing this, Chris, is one schedule leads into the next. I'm almost ready to ask you to look up Notre Dame's schedule. But Florida State having the game with Notre Dame and Clemson having the game with Georgia – if those if they lose each of those games, they're getting one team only from their conference. I would yeah. think. Okay. Now, if someone could sneak a win out of August one of those, thirty first, we're going to know. It's like, oh, so you guys are out. You got one spot. You're done. Yeah. Yes. I think if Georgia, if, unless Clemson could beat a Georgia, then you're saying, especially if Notre Dame beats Florida State and Georgia uh, beats Clemson, you got to say Florida Clemson. You know they they're the loser playing each other would be eliminated, except they'll play the championship game, which will decide a team that will be seeded, probably third or fourth they will probably have a good chance that they have two losses, could be seeded third or fourth, but they'll be the lone representative of the ACC. Now, the problem comes in is if you have a Florida State team beat Notre Dame, and I know like you could go into a 1,000 permutations. Sure, But if sure. Florida State beats Clemson in season, is undefeated, Clemson comes into that conference championship game with two losses to Georgia and to Florida State in the regular season, God forbid Clemson wins that conference championship game. You have a two-loss Clemson team seeded and getting a bye, and what do you do about Florida State? (laughs) We already know know the answer to that. (laughs) You and I have discussed how we both kind of believe that even if Jordan Travis was healthy, Florida State would have gotten left out of the Final Four this past year, but that just gave them a convenient excuse to do it. I think clearly there was precedent setting at work there where they were kind of letting everyone know, hey, we're saying the quiet part (laughs) out loud here now, folks. So the ACC, you guys are going to have to do some exceptional work to get over this hump. And more bad news for that conference. You asked about Notre Dame's schedule this fall. It's pretty much a cakewalk with the exception of three marquee games. So they open the season with Texas A&M. And then, you know, again, it's just like a clown show for weeks on end. Northern Illinois, Purdue, Miami of Ohio, Louisville, (laughs) you know, okay, maybe could be a little bit of a surprise team. Uh, Stanford, Georgia Tech, Navy, 
Then we have that Florida State game we talked about. They play Virginia, Army, and they finish up with USC, and they've got them at home. I can understand why Brett has them as a high seed in the playoffs. You, you took the words out of my mouth. He, I was just going to say, he obviously looked at their schedule to, to put them in, and like you said, at a number seven seed. Now, to that point, they don't get to play in a conference championship game. They're not in a conference, which again, clearly you can see there is obvious, obvious bias at work in the way these playoff seedings and selections are done. Do they get into the top 12, really the top 11? Because one of those group of five teams and then you, you got the conferences. So we, we talked about this before. There's really seven spots. Do they get one of those seven spots if they get one loss with that schedule? I think because they're Notre Dame, they will. But fair. to, your, That's to fair. your point again, though, Without the conference championship game, that's another game that they don't have as a tester. You know, most of or a good number of these teams, the Big Ten and the SEC, the top two teams are going to have that 13th game. So if you come out of that schedule, including a conference championship game with with two losses and Notre Dame has one, I think the either the Big Ten or SEC team is the better team uh, and, sure. and deserves that, even though we all know Notre Dame gets the, the benefit of the doubt. And so, we're not expecting any of these quote-unquote marquee games on their schedule to be opponents who are thought of as elite next season, right? Texas A&M, Florida State, USC, big question marks around all three of those programs. So I just look at it and I say, man, if they drop one of those and then the rest of their wins are against just like complete garbage opposition, you know, it it, it will be very frustrating for some two loss big 10 or sec team to see Notre Dame elevated above them in the playoff conversation. Well, and we're going to hit this more when we come back, Chris, but if you're getting in Brett McMurphy's projection, four teams from each of the two big conferences, are you going to get every two-loss team from those conferences in the playoffs? We're going to talk about that when we come back because it's going to be interesting if there's an extra two-loss team in there. We'll talk about it when we come back. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. He's Chris. I'm Jim. We're having a lot of fun with this uh, Brett McMurphy, his college football playoff projections for the 2024 season, but it's bringing up a lot of questions about how they handle it. Now, Chris, you were talking earlier about, um, you know, the conference championship games. You want to win that. You want to get the bye. Yes, you do. However, one of the things, and maybe this is uh, 
me just projecting a little too much, or maybe it's me playing chess, Chris, when everybody else is playing checkers. But Georgia, Texas, one and two in the rankings, play in the conference championship game. Georgia beats Texas. Okay, that's Brett McMurphy's uh, projection. So he has Texas uh, ranked number five because of that. Even if they're still ranked number two in the country, they get the number five seeding. Right. But the here, highest ranked non-champion will be the five seed. Correct. Correct. Okay. So that's how Texas is number five, Oregon number six. He has them both losing their conference championship games to Georgia and Ohio State, respectively. But you could argue they're the third and fourth best team, perhaps, in the country. But they will be seeded five and six. Here's what you get, though, if you're seeded number five, if you take a look. Texas gets a home game versus Boise State or whoever the group of five winner is. Plug in your favorite group of five team. Maybe it's Tulane, okay? It's but, hilarious, by the way, that in a 12-team playoff game with over 130 eligible teams, the five seed plays a game that if it was like the the home opener for them, they would probably get a little heat for having scheduled. <laughs> well, did did you look? Right, it's a 12-team playoff, and the five seed opens up with a game that normally they'd be paying the opponent a million dollars to play. Right. Did you see that he put the point spreads in for these games also? I, I did, yeah. Okay, do you remember what the point spread was for his Texas versus Boise State game? Don't look. Don't look if you don't remember. I, I, I'm i going to tell you, I I'd already scrolled down when you brought it oh, up. Okay. But yeah, he has his <laughs> Texas minus 19. All right. So you get a home game and you're a 19-point favorite. So you talked about you know, In the getting, playoffs. A, getting a buy. Yeah, I'm not so sure that's not a bad thing. You know, you get a home game under your belt against a team that you should handle pretty well. Mm-hmm. And at the second round, because you're seeded number five, you play the fourth best team in the country, right? Oh, no, and- you don't, Chris. You play the fourth best team of the conference champions. So whoever is the lesser team between the ACC championship and the Big 12 conference championship, in this case, he has it as Utah, that's who you play. So I'm looking. So have did you scroll far enough to see that point spread? I did not. Okay. Give me a guess there, Chris. I'm going to say he has Texas favored by six and a half. He has them favored by nine. Wow. wow. And, by the way, being ranked sixth, which is the other, whether it's the Big Ten or Southeast Conference, the other finishing second place team, in this situation, it would be Oregon, which means in that first round, you play, well, you play Michigan, which, you know, could be a fascinating game. I didn't see, oh, where Oregon is only a one-point favorite. But let's say they do win it, Chris. So the second round game, they get to play the ACC champion, which is Florida State. Point spread for that one? Care to guess? Uh, uh, again, I'll, I'll, I'll say seven. 
He has him as a 10-point favorite oh, come over, on. over Florida Jeez. State. Now, again, I'm not going to say, you know, Brett McMurphy is all-knowing. Brett, come on, man. But but what that tells me is— No respect that, for Whittingham and Norvell here. <laughs> killing me. But meanwhile, you know, you have Ohio State playing the number seven seed, who in his scenario, it's Notre Dame. But one could think that that whoever that number seven seed is, a very good chance they might be better than that number three or four seed, who is the uh, Big 12 or ACC champion. Uh, so almost assuredly, sure. Makes you think that number five and six seed might be close to as attractive as the number one and two seed, Chris. Well, especially that five spot. I don't want to understate what you're pointing out here. I think you have identified the early market inefficiency in this 12-team playoff format. Because when you look around here, yeah, the, the buy will be very important. And I think, again, the week off still may prove to be decisive. However, if you were looking at what is the most attractive seed to be slotted into in this entire bracket, you know, the, the examples here are probably pretty realistic. You have a home game versus Boise State or Tulane or something like that. And then uh, you, you face the Big 12 champion in a bowl game. It, it's almost like there could be more intrigue down the stretch. And I think, again, this is good news if you want to preserve the competitiveness of the regular season. For who is set up to be ranked higher after losing their respective conference championship game, the loser of the SEC or the Big Ten title game. And that is, again, going to come down to how do you perform in your marquee regular season matchups? Because, my God, the difference between the five and the six seed there is profound. I know it's a 10-point favorite, according to Brett McMurphy or whatever, but if I gave you a choice of would you rather play Boise and Utah or – Michigan and Florida State, everyone is going to choose the former. Like, that's crazy. You don't get the buy, but it's like a functional buy, right? And by the way, you're also going to make a ton of money because you're hosting a home playoff game. So, yeah, the the move is to go undefeated through the regular season and then intentionally tank your conference championship game. Yeah, we're we're resting up our star quarterback, Chris. That's uh, that was the key in that conference championship game. It, it makes yeah it load really management. Good. We're doing load management this week, folks. Sorry, <laughs> yes. but you know, just and again, where the regular season uh, being devalued is the criticism of this plan. I'm telling you, the regular season's going to be a zoo. It's going to be a circus, Chris. Here's the other part of it. How about this? All right, four teams each from the Big Ten and the Southeast Conference by Brett McMurphy's projection. I think you and I have no problem with that, projecting four and four. No. If, If you have only two losses... Does that guarantee you to be one of the top four teams in each conference? Does that get you into the playoffs? The fact is, two losses did not guarantee you the playoffs if it were a 12-team playoff in 23. And by adding 
you know, Texas, Oklahoma. Mizzou, right? Mizzou was a two-loss team that did not end up with a – or that would not have gotten a play. I'm trying to remember who yeah, – I think it was Mizzou and season. maybe Oklahoma. Like Penn State and Oklahoma. Ole Miss. Yeah. Yep. Penn State and Ole Miss got in with two losses. Missouri didn't or uh, somebody did. But are you going to have as many two-loss teams? Is that going to happen again? And again, the regular season intrigue, I'm not just looking at, hey, I'm with Penn State with two losses in the Big Ten. I'm looking at the Southeast Conference for the teams with two losses. And does the fact that the Southeast Conference only plays eight conference games turn into a tiebreaker? Hmm. Interesting. Uh, (laughs) I kind of doubt it. Again, because the fix is is very clearly in, but I it, it will it'll make for a great debate. Well, you have the issue where you know we'll start talking like we do about the NCAA basketball tournament. How many quad one and quad two wins do you have? And we're not going <laughs> to count. We're not going to count our quad four wins when we're going to play Southwest, Eastern, Central Alabama late in November. Well, that's, yeah, that to my point is where you are scoreboard watching, you know, two levels removed from your own team. Like, again, if you're a Notre Dame fan, you are rooting hard for A&M and USC and Florida State, especially USC and A&M to outperform preseason expectations for those programs, because you've got to boost up the quality of your resume unless you've gone undefeated through the entire slate, which again, even if you did, might not stack up that favorably against a one-loss team from the Big Ten or the SEC. And, Chris, and I've been stating this for years, first of all, about the playoff committee with the four-team playoff. Chris, why do they even meet, okay? It was ridiculous. I could na- I could fill out the four teams easily. You're undefeated oh, until last year with Florida State. Undefeated, you win your conference, you're in. One loss, there's the tiebreaker. It's number of losses. If you have more than, you know, uh, you can't fill out the four with one, all only one loss teams. There's more one loss teams. Just you rank them in order. Southeast Conference, Big Ten, then the rest. All two loss teams, the tiebreaker, well, you lose two games, you're not in. Boom. That's it. I just decided the four teams. Now with the 12-team playoff, you're going to have to earn your money, aren't you? How do you compare, you know, at the bottom, as you said, there's only seven out-large things. How do you judge a two-loss LSU versus a two-loss Penn State versus a one-loss Clemson? Yeah, yeah. By the way, this is driving me nuts. I do need to correct myself. I think Mizzou still would have gotten in this past year. But anyway, to that point, Jim, this is something I've been harping on since the playoff system started they need to make this conversation more transparent to the fans. If they're going to be meeting weekly, I think those meetings should be open to the public. I think they should be live streamed for sure. There would be wackos who sat and watched the whole thing. But breaking it down and summarizing and showing clips of key points in the conversation, that would become a big driver of the weekly media conversation and it would create more work for people like you and me. But I think it would also be great for the game. It would, because if they're not going to discuss it, Chris, we certainly will. 
And that's going to have to be it for this segment. We've got more to come, Chris. We're going to actually start looking at some of these schedules, which may be the determining factor in, in these. Stay tuned for that. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number four. He's Chris. I'm Jim. Chris, I, I'm really enjoying this conversation. I I mean, we are, you mentioned at the start of the show, we're not far from football, spring football, then real football happening. Forget all of that. We're already talking college football playoffs for 2024. And what brought it on was this article by Brett McMurphy, where he projected his teams, uh, his picks for the college football playoffs. And it wasn't, to me, it didn't strike me so much about, oh, these are the 12 teams he picked, and you can argue this team over that team. It was more like, what are the repercussions to this, Chris? And I think we pointed out, as you called it, some of the inefficiencies where, you know, number one, if you're a winner of the ACC or the Big 12, you get seeded and you get a bye, which sounds great. And, oh, you finish second in the SEC or Big 10, you get damaged and you might end up seated fifth or sixth actually may not end up so bad. Your, your path to the championship game may become a little bit easier, but I think where we concluded a lot of this is there's going to be a lot of tiebreakers going on for the college football playoff committee, you know, a two loss sec team versus a two loss big 10 team, but it's also going to be, what is your schedule within these much larger conferences. Yeah. If you're in the Southeast Conference or the Big Ten, you are not playing everybody or you're not playing most of the teams. So now, all of a sudden, looking at these teams' schedules, while we were talking, we went and looked at Clemson and we looked at Florida State's schedule at the ACC. But let's take a deeper dive into the Big Ten schedule and strength of schedule. Now, I want to give credit. I believe it was an Oregon website. They decided to go through every Big Ten team's schedule. And what he did is he gave a point uh, schedule, a grade point for each team and use that to determine strength of schedule. For and example... That- Right, and, and oh. we should clarify too. So this is credit. This is uh, Ducks Wire from USA Today. This is their uh, Oregon Ducks uh, beat reporter. They used uh, the yes. ESPN SP Plus ranking. That's how they assign the point values. It's like well, how, wherever SP Plus projects your program to be going into the twenty twenty four season, 
that's how they graded you in terms of difficulty as an opponent. So let's look at the top grades just to, you know, determine if I'll ask you if you have any issues with this. Ohio State, Oregon, Michigan, he has as 10 points. Penn State, nine and a half. USC, eight and a half. Wisconsin, Washington, and Iowa at eight. What do you think? Pretty valid? Anything seem out of place? No, I think those are very reasonable preseason assignments. It's going to be interesting. I the, the ones that pop to me there are Washington, Wisconsin, and USC, because I could see them justifying being in the top third of the rankings or any one or even all three of them dropping down maybe at least a tier. Big, big question marks around all three of those. Yes, and what's interesting is you could then say – but I do think it's valid to put them at that higher tier than, say, the teams that they have at seven are UCLA, Nebraska, Minnesota. Yeah, somebody's got to win these these games, Jim. <laughs> right. But I don't think you're see at Wisconsin, you're like, it might as well be us. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if I had to pick, you know, Wisconsin, Nebraska, UCLA, or Minnesota, I would say Wisconsin. So I I think the scoring system is pretty legitimate. Where I start to have some questions, though, is they have Ohio State, for example, as having the second easiest schedule. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem I have with that is anything below the top tier, I don't care if they're an eight or a two, Ohio State's going to be heavily favored and they're going to win. The only issue I think on their schedule is the top end. And I'll give you, and I agree with this, where they have the top four teams as Penn, uh, I'm sorry, Oregon, Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. Agree with those being the four best teams? Uh, heading into the season, yeah, sure. I, I, again, Michigan's got a lot of questions to answer, but they've earned the right to be in that group. Ohio State is the only one among those four who play the other three teams. I think that makes <laughs> Ohio State's schedule the toughest in the conference. Yeah, and one thing I would do if I was going to tweak this methodology a little bit, it would be to add some additional correction for whether or not you're playing games at home or on the road. I think it makes a big difference, a big difference, if you're playing a marquee opponent and you've got to do it in their building versus having them come to face you at home. I think that might give a little bit more accurate depiction of relative schedule difficulty if we were factoring in whether it was a home or a road game for each opponent. Yes, there should be waiting. And I think this Which is one of the reasons, by the way, why Penn State has such a rough ride this season. They have every chance to prove themselves as a playoff-worthy team, but that's because the schedule, I think, has a very, very rigorous five-game stretch. It does, and that's going to be tough. But let's look at their their toughest games, and they use the if the opponent scores eight or higher on his scale, and Penn State has four of those games, USC, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Washington. but. Would you, USC, Wisconsin, and Washington, I think are at that just next level, right? From Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and Oregon. Would you, if I said I'll drop USC and Washington from the schedule 
but add one of the two of Oregon and Michigan, would that make the schedule easier or tougher in your mind? Tougher, in my opinion. Me too. It's about playing those elite teams. If Penn State is good enough to be a top 10 team, I think based on our preseason thoughts of those teams, I think Penn State should be should beat Washington and Wisconsin. And I still look at USC and that trip out there as being a little tough to your yeah. point about being on home at home or on the road. But, you know, where this ties in, Chris, to our earlier conversation about the playoffs is can Penn State get through that schedule with just two losses? And is that the over-under in the Southeast Conference and the Big Ten to make the playoffs? It feels that way that I, I, I don't think, again, so much of this is relative, Jim, but I, I don't think it's unforeseeable or impossible that a, you know, a, a three loss team makes it in depending on what happens everywhere else. But you have to think just based on the way last season went, like we were talking about last segment, and that was probably the most wide open we have seen the pursuit of the four playoff spots in the 10 years that system was in place. Two losses was the threshold to get in, you know, even for the highest ranked group of five teams. So I think that's it. Yeah. It's just why you're there. There are going to be a lot of early games, right? You talk about um, Clemson, Georgia, A&M, Notre Dame, Penn state, West Virginia. Those are openers that I look at and say, that could be determinative for uh, you, you know the the big boy teams whose fan bases all believe that it is their birthright to get one of these playoff spots. <laughs> you could put yourself behind the eight ball quickly, and it does again reinforce the unfortunate point that as we go forward, it just does not make sense for a program with playoff aspirations to schedule a tough non-conference opponent. And it makes sense for the Southeast Conference to keep their conference number of games to eight, you know, to avoid that extra loss. Yes. It's probably even more critical now because I think you're going to have, you know, just a mess at that two losses. And going into the, towards the end of the season, the end of the schedule, games 10, 11, and 12, boy, you're going to have a boatload of teams who are at that one or two losses and i i think you can't get that third loss good chance that eliminates you chris and that's why i think you know again saying that the regular season is going to be cheapened i think it's just the opposite i think we're going to have a boatload of more games that are going to be critical and again you look at this schedule you know, I, I think they were pretty strategic in not making, you know, Ohio State play Michigan and Penn State in the same year. Mm-hmm. Now, I realize, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't know going in, you know, eight months ago, 10 months ago when they were making this schedule, you didn't know that Oregon would be considered the elite out of Oregon. Washington and USC. But I think that they did a great job in distributing those games at the higher echelon where nobody, you know, of the elite teams get slaughtered with their schedule 
as we look through this, but it's just going to turn into, I, I think, a real mess at the two-loss level. I'm going through the, this, you know, the schedules, and I'm not sure I see that much difference among, you know, the Ohio State, Michigan, Oregon, any of these teams. No, it's you're you're probably splitting hairs again, especially when you're talking about these rosters in February. But one of the things that did jump out to me in this article's ranking of who has the easiest and who has the toughest schedules, uh, you know, three of the of the four teams that are expected to be competing for a playoff spot have are, are among the seven easiest schedules in the conference. And. But and that, that includes you know, Penn State. Yes. Now, part of this is a case of, and it's always this way, Ohio State has the benefit of never having to play Ohio State. Right? So I, I think that even though Ohio State has the second easiest schedule based on this point system, I would rank it a differently because they have more elite, they have the three elite games where Penn State, Oregon, Michigan only have two of those games. So I'm I'm not sure. That's the one thing that sticks out to me. I'm not sure Ohio State is nearly as easy a schedule as it says here. Anyway, Chris, we've run out of time. A lot more to talk about with this. How about we go at it again next week? Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us again next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the simplest way to get the best available odds, and there's never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, signupexpert.com slash KSN, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region. All of these sportsbooks have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and through our link, you'll automatically receive the top offer at each one. If you want to take advantage of these benefits, sign up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash KSN, or see the preferred sportsbook button on our app.